find out how you can help end childhood hunger in your community, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Well, good morning and welcome to Saturday in the Studio. Merle Kelch was scheduled to be in studio today, but instead he is joining us via telephone because he could not get out of his driveway this morning. Good morning, sir. Well, good morning, Tom, and good morning, everybody. Folks, I was telling Tom as we were getting ready for the show this morning, you guys should have seen an elephant dancing on ice. It was uh, <laughs> it was something. So, you know, I, I really got to say, uh, this reminds me a year ago when we were in Texas uh, with all the ice storms and everything happened down there. Um, you know, be careful out there, folks, because your driveway is a quarter inch of ice and it's slick on top with a little bit of rain. It's, it's dangerous. Stay inside. It's supposed to warm up in three or four hours, and hopefully it breaks up. It's bad. So that's my meteorological uh, warning for the day. Well, we so, appreciate uh, it. Thank you, folks. Yeah, we appreciate that. It was funny because, <laughs> you know, they, they said the, the freezing rain was going to start around midnight, and I came in about 4 this morning, and it hadn't started raining yet. And then all of a sudden, it, it appeared. And, yeah, everything's pretty bad right now. So, yeah, maybe want to yeah. lay low for a while. Um, here we are in 2022, and uh, we have a war to deal with again in the world. And uh, it threatens, yep, yep. threatens to become a wider war at that. And, of course, everything with it being interconnected, markets and, and supply chains and everything else being interconnected, banking, um, what I, I would imagine you're getting calls from some of your clients talking about what they should do or what they need to do in order to protect their pro- portfolios in, in uncertain times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's 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 so much conversation. And, and obviously the main things happening still out there right now um, are inflation in Ukraine. Inflation, of course, I mean the interest rates as well. It, it, and we'll come to that. But yeah, the biggest thing is, is what do we do to try to protect ourselves in that whole thing? And we talked about it. Oh, geez, probably three or four weeks ago, Tom, uh, when there was a war or a breakout or whatever term it wants to use, I keep having ones. And as far as I'm concerned, um, Russia uh, declared war on Ukraine for no particular reason. So so that said, whatever it is, um, usually when this stuff happens, it jitters all the markets across the globe. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and, and so as a result of it, then, uh, we see economies uh, become, I'm sorry, not economies, we see markets become volatile for a period of time, and then they tend to pick themselves back up again. And, and so um, that said, um, we have to then stop and look at and say what's happening inside of our economy to try to judge where the market is going to go, aside from the volatility that we're having right now. And so that said, then we have to look at what are the uncertainties that are happening, aside from what's happening in Russia and, and God bless the, the people of Ukraine. So what's happening on our side of economy right now is we have the uncertainty of what's going to happen with interest rates. The Federal Reserve, of course, wants to increase interest rates to try to offset inflation. And and in my opinion, rightfully so. So uh, that's going to probably happen in, uh, excuse me, I think uh, about a week and a half or so. I can't think of the date off the top of my head, but it's going to come up on a Tuesday, a week and a half, or we'll get there. So so that said, uh, the question becomes now is it going to be a half a percent or a quarter percent? And so Two weeks ago, everybody was leaning was going to be a half a percent increase. Now it tends to come to a quarter of a percent. And why? Because I think the Federal Reserve, and this is uh, um, also seconded by uh, Brian Westbury, who is one of my favorite economists. Now, the war is going to make it so the economy's, or the, sort of the, the government's going to take a slower step on things. So maybe rather than having a half a percent increase, it's going to be a quarter of a percent to begin with at this point. And we may see that. Um, we're seeing that hopefully will start slowing down inflation. The other part of this from an inflationary standpoint is, Tom, maybe you and I say, well, we're not going to buy that bigger big screen TV. Um, maybe we're just going to wait to see what happens with Ukraine and Russia, and maybe we'll give it a couple of months. 
remember, inflation, folks, is too much money chasing too few goods. Well, if we're not seeking the goods, um, that'll tend to slow down inflation in itself. So if we're not going to buy that big screen TV, we're just going to hold on to the cash. So we'll see what happens with the interest rate increase. So when this whole thing started with Ukraine, I thought, well, you know, I think Ukraine's going to lose. Uh, they're not going to keep their sovereign, sovereign what was the word I'm looking for? That would for? be sovereignty. Thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, they're not going to keep that because they're they're looking at a, a war machine in Russia that's much larger than what they have. Although, and you know, so far the Russians, I think, thought this was going to be over in a couple of days. And the yeah, Ukrainians and, and, are, are have extended it into two weeks now, and it's probably going to go yeah, longer yeah. than that. And, and you know what? And, and I, I, uh, I am impressed by that in the resolve of the Ukrainian people. Um, but I don't think Russia is going to win the war. They may win the fight and they may take over the country, but I don't think they're going to win the war. This reminds me of what is uh, said that Hirohito said about the United States. He doesn't want to invade the mainland because there's a gun behind every blade of grass. And it's reminding me of that. You know, everybody over there is uh, grabbing an arm and, and fighting the Russians. And I think Russia has bit off a, a, a snake that's going to keep biting back here. And there are and some so people. There that, are some. There are some people in Russia and in the Russian army that aren't on board with this. Although you know, if you share those opinions, you end up uh, with a bullet in the back of your head or sent to the gulag. So yeah, um, it's yeah. going to be very interesting to see what happens uh, in Russia here in the next. Uh, so, yeah, precisely. So then we look at this and say, so what is this going to occur? So um, I think I think uh, Ukraine loses this fight, but I don't know that they lose the war for a long term. So as a result, then there's going to be a lot of things that have to be rebuilt. Um, and with a lot of things, especially inside of the oil and gas production, needs to be rebuilt. It tends to come from America, and it, again, continues to keep driving the economy forward. So in here, folks, I think the war slows down, um, and I'm using words here from Brian Westbury. I have to give him credit. Uh, my thoughts, too, but his words are better than mine, is that we have less regulation, we have less government, and slowing of things inside the government. In particular, he thinks we're going to have a slowing of the corporate tax rate and personal tax rates, which, if they're not increasing, it should continue to keep driving demand and growth inside of the economy. Therefore, folks, uh, he believes, and so do I, that um, the marketplace is just having volatility as a result of interest rates, inflation, Ukraine, and we may see all those things start to straighten themselves over over the course of the next couple of weeks. In the meantime, Put your goggles on, folks. It's still going to be a bumpy ride, but hang in there. Keep the faith from that standpoint. Now, um, our friend Mark Holbert, who we haven't talked about in a long time, Tom, uh, but he had an article today that was, in my opinion, brilliant on MarketWatch.com. Um, uh, and, uh, well, i got to come back to the jobs report here, by the way. Yeah, we'll um, talk about that as well. It's good, another yeah, good jobs report. Yeah, fantastic. i got too many things on my, my plate this morning. So much fun, Tom. So anyway, um, in here, Mark Holbert's um, uh, story that he had talks about a thing we call capitulation inside this market. In fact, his article this morning says the end, in parentheses, um, uh, of the stock market correction may be near. So there's a thing called capitulation in a marketplace that everybody's looking for right now, except for Tom, you, and, and many other people who are not in the industry because it doesn't make any sense to you. But here it goes. When the stock market is going up, the tide lifts all boats, and it doesn't matter what you do. And so typically the, the thing is people say, well, I'm going to just simply buy and hold, and I'm going to hold it out. And the market keeps going up, and you're happy, and everybody's warm and all peach and everything else. And then things start falling, to, you know, falling apart a little bit, and then it starts going down. And people say, I'm going to sell. I'm going to get out. I'm going to move this. I'm going to move this and get out of it. And so part of what my job is to try to keep that emotion out of it. Say, hang in there, hang in there, hang in there. 
Because what happens then is people then start saying, well, I'm just going to try to time the market. I'm going to get out now and try to buy when it's low. And almost every single time a person is wrong on that and you don't get it right and you may get it close, but you're not going to get it exactly right. And so that's called capitulation. It's selling at the bottom or people running out and running for the streets and say, I've had enough, I'm getting out. Well, that's when you tend to see money start pouring back into the marketplace and drive it back up. And so the term is usually saying is when we start seeing (coughs) capitulation, um, we tend to see then the bottom of the marketplace. Um, and, and there's some evidence of that. And, and where it comes in here is that uh, we had just heard one of the money managers um, sent an email out and said, the buy and hold is dead. And that's one of the first things that we started to see in capitulation. I think the, the market might be towards the bottom. Um, if that's the case, hang in there. We may have made it through some of the worst, but uh, the bouncing up and down is uh, is still, <laughs> still going to be around. For, well, when, you say, have to get water here. when you say the market's at the bottom, that doesn't mean every stock is, is at its bottom, but some maybe are. So now you've got to try to oh, find sure. those that are and buy them on sale. Isn't that the correct and, strategy? Well, that's, you certainly can. Um, I tell you what, Tom, we've had a couple of our clients who are just really nervous. What should I, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? I said, you got any cash? I said, yeah, I said, let's buy. Is it what? Oh, yeah, the market's down. Let's start buying a few things. And so we've been doing a lot of that work over the course of the last few weeks, um, simply because we go through and say, well, let's start buying some things. The things that have been down the most are in the technology sector, small and mid-caps. And so we've been looking at with clients, we've been buying into that. Now, folks, don't take it and go run out buying all this stuff because you just heard on the show. Uh, this is what we we're doing for some of our clients who are calling in because it fits in their portfolio. So we've been taking cash that we've had sitting on the sidelines with clients um, and we've been buying in over the course of the last number of weeks and considerably, even myself. Um, I went in and bought a bunch of stuff that has been on my uh, you know, radar for a long time. Um, now, my wife might not be getting a house you know, in a year because I just spent all the money in the market. Was, I didn't tell her that. <laughs> well, she'll probably know now. Mm. Um, but <laughs> um, but you know, the, the time was right because we just had enough uh, capitulation and uh, it's going to get even more capitulation coming up. Some of the biggest strength, Tom, that I've seen, um, and I'm watching in a marketplace, I've been telling my staff this. Um, when the morning comes, you walk up, you see the futures, and it says down 700. You look at it and go, oh, man, here we are down 700 points. And I said, but, you know, let's watch what happens throughout the day. And then by the time you get done with the day, we might be down 50 points or 100 points or maybe up 100 points. So as soon as that market comes down in the morning, we're just seeing cash pouring into the market and buying stuff on sale. Again, another sign of strength in the marketplace. The amount of cash that we have out there right now is just crazy. Um, and some of the capitulation that people are selling off and people are running in and buying it up on, on sale as the day goes on. So um, I think that's a real strong time um, in the marketplace. Um, if you're buying, um, if you're selling, um, uh, that uh, uh, probably would make me a little nervous on, on uh, uh, my part because I don't know what I'm selling into. But the economy is continuing to keep moving forward. So the jobs report. I had to jump to that now too. All right. Yeah, you know, I'm going to get done here at the first break, and I'm going to have nothing left to talk about. Because- well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we take a break here? You can talk about the jobs okay. report when we come back. We'll do that. Right, we'll right. take a break. We'll come back with more. You're listening to Making Financial Sense with Merle Kelch on WSAU. Considering an online pharmacy? Explore BeSafeRx to find useful information and resources to help you purchase medicines safely online. A safe online pharmacy requires a doctor's prescription, has an address in the United States has a licensed pharmacist, and is licensed by a state pharmacy board. It's best to stay away from online pharmacies that don't meet these criteria. 
Discover more helpful tips and resources at BeSafeRx. Go to FDA.gov slash BeSafeRx. Is even greater. We're fighting alongside patients because we know one moment can change a lifetime. United by hope, we can end breast cancer. Join our fight. Save lives. One by one. Hello? Hi. Am I on? Call after call. Thank you for taking my call. You're invited to join the voices. Those voices. This is crazy. Those voices. In our head. in my head. The truth doesn't matter that much in our world today. Rat media. Treason media. It's what can I push with the loudest voice. Loudest voice. You know, I gotta thank you for being a voice of reason in a sea of insanity. Are they nuts or what? On WSAU. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies. And, folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And we're back. I'm in the studio. Merle's on location today because of the ice and uh, inability to get around this morning. If you are going outside, just be aware that your driveway is probably uh, glare ice and you're going to fall on your can if you're not careful. Um, you want to talk about the jobs report, second really good jobs report in a row. What does that mean for investments in the economy going forward? Well, First of all, by the way, I just had this thought when we were talking before. I'm going to pull out my ice cleats from ice fishing yep. uh, a little bit later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like get down to the truck. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, uh, you know, what's interesting about this, we had two real nice jobs reports in a row. But more importantly, in my opinion, is where those jobs came from. And so when you look at it and you dissect, and by the way, I mean, we're, we're about where we are from a job level now, uh, where we were pre-pandemic. And so we're right in the same neighborhood. But the biggest part of this, when I break it down, I look at the jobs by industry and sectors. And by the way, folks, if you didn't know, um, our jobs report this past week were up 678,000 jobs versus the expectation of 400. So we blew it out of the park. But in my opinion, for the first time, there's a couple places in here that are real telling to me. Um, first of all, um, education and health, which means we started having some people coming back to work, not only in the education, but the health sector, um, that type of thing. And more importantly, the leisure and hospitality of these 678,000 jobs, 179,000 of them were leisure and hospitality. And <clears throat> that had been the sector that was just really lagging all the way through here. Um, and it really seemed to jump up. And I think that's where our big job came back and just kind of proved that we're getting back to normal again. Um, and then we looked at the, the numbers, of course, of COVID dropping off, COVID deaths dropping off, reported cases dropping off. Um, um, I think we're kind of having some normalcy. And this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, that the economy is is gaining some steam. Um, when we're all back to work again, we're going to get some of the supply side issues through, but, and then we're going to have all the products and services to buy. But what does that mean for a state like Wisconsin, which has m- way more jobs than they have available workers? And it's it's going it, to it's been that way for a while, and it looks like it's going to continue to be that way for a while. I mean, yeah. everybody's hiring, and there just aren't enough people to fill those positions. What do you do? You know, Tom, this is, we've had this discussion for a long time, and in, in one, I think we need to have. Um, other workers from other countries come in. We need to know who they are, first of all, and not just have an open border policy, which is ridiculous, in my opinion. We need to know who they are. Um, and the second thing is, is maybe as a state, we can be uh, more attractive to businesses 
and individuals to come in and work within our state. Or we have to go back to the old Catholic model, Tom. Every family has to have eight or ten kids. <laughs> so, uh, okay. okay, I'm not sure we're going ever going back to that model again. But uh, <laughs> my kids get nervous when I start saying stuff like that, and they just get this horrified look on their face. You know. So. <laughs> well, the other thing I read, I read an article in one of the food magazines I have about farming in this country and how you know the 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 average age of the American farmer is is getting up there, and the young people are not taking over the farms in big enough numbers and there's a real crisis looming as far as where we get our food and how our food is yeah. produced in this country and that certainly has got to be on on people's radars when it comes to you know their investment portfolios and everything else because if we don't eat that I mean we don't we don't breathe air we don't drink water and we don't eat food uh, the economy is going to be going to have problems you know Tom what's interesting that you say that is if we look at what's happening with Russia and Ukraine, um, Ukraine's a, a huge breadbasket around the world. I mean, they've got not only do they have metals and all that sort of right. stuff, right? Well, yeah, I mean, world, but they've got right. great farming stuff. Yeah, and and I think you know our farming has been um, uh, slowing down, and I think uh, the world has been buying more and more from Russia and Ukraine and that area of the world from grains and corns and that type of stuff, which is fantastic. And so. You know, this might drive up prices and certain things that maybe we see some people start getting back into it. Um, I have a, a client who is probably listening right now, and um, you know, he retired from farming, but he's still doing crops and stuff. He said, because he said it's still easy to do, I can plant it, let it go, and I still have all the equipment for it. But the equipment to get into farming is so ungodly expensive right now right? Um, that it's hard to get into it unless you're going to uh, work with somebody and slowly buy out the whole operation. Um, and that's where there's really a, a, a not a lot of young kids that are able to get into that type of a uh, thing. So, you know, who knows what happens in the future. But, boy, um, you know, the farming industry can be really good if it's done right. I want to talk about a story I read, which I found kind of interesting and, and uh, kind of uh, horrifying, actually. Um, we all remember back during the housing crisis, the uh, mortgage-backed, what would, credit default swaps, I think they were called, which caused the mm -hmm. massive housing uh, problem in the markets. Uh, everybody uh, who's listening to this program has probably seen the movie The Big Short. There was a story yesterday uh, from Kentucky where apparently the Kentucky, I want to say it's the teachers union or the state workers union. I think it's the teachers union. On the advice of Senator Rand, Senators Rand Paul and Mitch McConnell from Kentucky invested millions and millions of dollars of their pension funds into a Russian fund that was involved with a big Russian bank, which has now seen their, uh, their value go down to zero. So yeah. those people who are in, uh, invested in that fund are going to find out that their retirement funds are gone. Um, how, how prevalent is that? Uh, around the United States, not only in, in pension funds, but maybe in people's portfolios, where they're invested in foreign markets that might have something like this happen to them? And should they be, uh, if they're not aware of it, they obviously should be aware of it. This is, this is kind of coming into opinion here, because <clears throat> I have no hard facts about me, but I would guess that if you have an international fund, there's going to be some dollar within that fund that you have that's going to be invested in these types of things just because the yields in them were, were, were great. 
Um, and you notice past tense in that in my statement. So with sanctions looming and sanctions already in place in many cases, uh, you need to get out of those funds or you need to move that money somewhere else? I, I, I don't think so. Um, I think we've already seen the reflection of a drop of the value of those funds. I think that's happened over the course of the last few days. Um, you know, though, when I look at the international parts of, of what we use in our office, and I'm not saying that we've got the best ones, but we got some that are, you know, pretty broadly distributed like everybody else's. So <clears throat> down certainly, excuse me, I just got a little lingering cough, folks. Um, down certainly a little bit, but not as much as we would believe. And the reason for that is if you're going to invest or have money invested inside of a, a global market or global fund, um, it's going to have a small percentage, certainly, that's probably in Russia and very well may have gone down to zero. But you're going to have many other countries and regions and parts around the world that are still doing just fine and growing like we are. So if you're diversified, Russia's probably not going to have an issue. If you're buying a bunch of stuff directly, um, there's a problem there. Um, fortunately, I can say that we don't do that uh, as a result of just really having diversification, which we talked about in this program. You know, for 20 years, we've been talking about making sure you diversify. You, know, you remember and that? Yeah, so, yeah, you remember that scene from the Big Short where they talked the Michigan teachers uh, uh, yeah. into in investing, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of dollars of their pension fund into these uh, credit default swaps, and of course, they all right, went down right. to zero and they lost their camp. Yeah, and, and and you know, the credit default swaps are something that had no backing and insurance to it, except for a false uh, rating claim, unfortunately. At that yeah, point. yeah. So hopefully, whatever they're investing that has has you know, is inside of Russia has some sort of an equity or asset to it where it becomes viable at some point in time, but not knowing exactly what it is, I, I really can't comment on it. But I'm, I'm pretty certain that uh, all of us that are listening right here, if we have something that's international and global, something in there probably had something to do that had Russia on the inside of it. And of course, that price would have already adjusted one way or another. Um, oh, all right. You know, Russia has been doing good business around the world, unfortunately, uh, to an evil end, it seems. Yeah, at this point in time. All right, 715-845-2155. We need to take a break for some news. We'll come back with more. You're listening to Making Financial Sense with Merle Kelcha on WSAU. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. Degrees for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I drive my bus in a busy city. That's why road safety is so important to me. I know that I must slow down and be extra careful when I make a wide turn. Buses need more room than cars. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're driving, remember to give buses plenty of time and space to finish turning before driving ahead. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Did you know that when you talk, read, or sing with your child, you're helping to shape their brain? Every parent has the power to create a strong start for our children from the day they are born. Visit TalkingIsTeaching.org for free tips and ideas on how to transform everyday moments into magical moments for learning. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch & Associates are unaffiliated companies. 
And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. I'm Tom King back in the studio. Merle Kelch joining us on location today. Going back to the uh, the sanctions against Russia over the invasion of Ukraine, uh, there are a number of uh, companies, big companies, that are not going to be doing business in Russia anymore. Microsoft announced yesterday they would not. Uh, a number of others, Volkswagen and others, have also said they won't. Some, though, have said they will continue their business dealings with Russia, including um, Coca-Cola and McDonald's. And we're seeing hashtags out there of boycott Coca-Cola and boycott McDonald's because of it. When you have a situation like this and a business that you're invested in takes an unpopular position, um, what do you do with that stock at that point in time? Well, that, like I mean, obviously else. an unpopular position that's going to affect the, the stock price, at least in the short right. term. Right. You know, I, what I kind of look at is, and first of all, the, the brand is the issue, but a lot of those companies that are in there, the McDonald's that are inside of Russia are owned by Russians typically, and those companies are going to receive royalties. Um, they can't just go through and say, well, we're not going to uh, take royalties anymore because the restaurants are going to continue on. So I see that a little bit different than a Microsoft who's selling product with inside of there, and they have control of their product versus a franchisee. Well, does a, um, does a McDonald's so, does a McDonald's in Russia or for any other country that for that matter, do they get food from local sources to sell in their restaurants, or does McDonald's yeah. ship the food in that they use in all of their restaurants? Um, it's usually all from local sources, so they might have a distributorship there, but they're buying the stuff from the local sources. And what McDonald's does is they make sure that the food is standardized, so it's the same shape, size, look, feel right. in right. Russia yeah. as it is here in America. So but even though the food, even though the food is coming from Russia, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, that was one of the the issues that were um, in China, for example, the McDonald's there because the McDonald's inside of China, their beef tastes so much different than our beef that we had here. Yeah. So it's something that things that they have to do because they tend to grass feed their beef a lot more than we grain feed our beef here. So, so I think that's difficult for them and understanding that. So now the the second part of that comes in is, you know, Merle's whole thing and say. You know, buy when there's guilt from association, and maybe that's it. So if it's unpopular that they're not going to say we're going to pull out our stores and our franchise and that whole bit um, within Russia, if that's unpopular, um, maybe that becomes a buying opportunity. But this is something that you have to look at on your own. <clears throat> I don't think it's because they um, want to purposely say we're going to continue to support Russia. I think it's because of the structure of how a franchisee would be. And the same thing would be for um, you know Coca-Cola or, or Pepsi or a bottler because – they're really receiving royalties and stuff like that um, from the bottlers within those individual companies, our countries. So I think it's a little bit different animal, and there might be some opportunity for people to take a look at it, quite honestly. Now, I prefer them not to be there anyway, by the way, but, you know, um, uh, you know Russia needs to know that there's consequences for poor decisions like this. Do you do any, uh, do you do any investing based on situation political situations around the world or you uh, you always say you try to take the politics out of it but sometimes yeah. it's hard to, it's hard to ignore in, in certain situations yeah I, I try to take the politics out of it but the, what i have to look at for politics is is there going to be a geopolitical issue that they're going to shut down and not do business with my country as a result of it you know if we look back to china when uh, mao Zedong took over uh they just simply went to companies in the U, you know u.s companies and global companies and says well you're out of here now you're just out and so they just kicked all the companies out and then took all the buildings. Um, and so with that being the case, I look at that because that certainly makes sense to me um, if that's going to be the case. For example, I won't invest inside of any companies I know knowingly are Chinese-held um, corporations or companies. Why? Because it's a communist country. 
and we're finding that Russia is really behaving dictatorial or communist almost, however you want to say it, in itself. So I don't like investing in those because I can't predict what's going to happen with the country. And if the country goes down, I can't predict what's going to happen with the growth of a stock that I purchase for myself over clients and that type of stuff. So I try to stay away from that stuff. I'm not sure, you can, call, I'm not sure you can call Russia a communist country anymore. It's more of a, a dictatorship. And, and, it really and Putin's seems that way. Yeah, Putin's yeah. almost acting like a fascist in many cases at this point in time. But, yeah, uh, I, but I understand yeah. your point. Uh, 715-845-2155, the number to call here. If you have a question for real, give us a call. What else have you been hearing from your clients uh, in these wild times? Uh, you know, the old the old proverb is, uh, may you live in interesting times. And I certainly think we're getting our money's worth as far as that goes. <laughs> you know, Tom, I'm almost starting to get to the point where, am I getting too old to keep reading this much? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I know you're a big reader as well. I'm a big reader of, of current events and, and stuff online and magazines, and that kind of stuff. I know you read books, but. Yeah, we go through this and say, Jesus, the eyes are starting to get tired. I've just got new glasses. I, I wish I could just read. I wish I could just read books these days. I, I, I'm going to be so happy when I don't have to doom scroll on Twitter anymore, you know, and follow what's going I, on. Because I've never heard the term doom scroll, that's, but I that, love it. That's a term you just keep scrolling and scrolling, bad news after bad news, and they just keep going. <laughs> so, so, I mean, the biggest thing on everybody's mind is what's happening with fuel prices. And I think uh, a lot of the uh, uh, gas stations around should just be ashamed of themselves and jumping their prices up 30% or 30 cents overnight. I think it's just ridiculous. Um, because, you know, the, the price in their tank and the gas in their tank didn't go up overnight by 30 cents a gallon, that kind of thing. I just think it's ridiculous. But nonetheless, we go back to Mark, <clears throat> excuse me, once again, uh, Mark McCambry has an article that says, uh, we need to increase oil and gas output immediately, Elon Musk says, as Ukraine crisis jolts the U.S. crude uh, to a 2008 high. Um, let me let so me ask you about this because there's a story yeah. in the news this morning. Um, you've got you've got members of Congress, including many Republicans, who want us to ban Russian oil imports into this country. The Biden administration says not so fast because that's going to raise gas prices around the world if we cut off the supply of Russian oil. Um, and then the Biden administration, Jen Psaki, the press secretary yesterday in her press conference said that the oil and gas companies in this country are sitting on a whole bunch of oil leases that we could increase the production in this country without a, a problem, without any government intervention. The oil companies have the leases that, that aren't being used at this point. I guess I hadn't, I hadn't heard that before. Well, the part that's interesting about that, though, is, yes, they're holding on to the lease of land, uh, but the EPA won't let them have the permitting to drill. Um, so the sanctions that came in almost immediately from the current administration stopped essentially stop drilling uh, because the permitting to get the drilling and all that kind of stuff is essentially stop the drilling, just like they stopped the permitting uh, that would happen for pipelines. So so the Russian oil that we're getting, I understand why, but we don't need to get it because we can get it from Canada. Um, but it wasn't coming from Canada because of all the COVID stuff and the trucking came through, so we're buying it. And as I understand it and have read it, I'm not an oil expert by any means. Um, but as I understand it, it's the real thick, heavy crude that we are getting from Russia that's used for something different. But we can get it from Canada. So I think, no, we should stop buying the oil from Russia because we can get it elsewhere. And if we're not getting it from Russia, we're not giving them any money that they can continue to put on their, uh, their machine. Right. You know, even Elon Musk, who owns EV and electric cars, is saying we got to open up oil and gas. You know, Tom, uh, you know, I'm, I'm OK in this life. And I can afford the gas prices going up, but there's a lot of people that are struggling at the pump. 
We've talked about how many times uh, oil and gas prices act like it's an immediate tax on a person's pocketbook, and it's hitting, folks. I mean, it's it's up there. We all know that. When we talk about the situation with the uh, with the energy costs, um, there was talk they're going to release oil from the uh, petroleum reserves, and that's supposed to mitigate the uh, the price uh, to some extent. But certainly, um, all of these geopolitical situations around the world drive these markets, whether it's the European markets, whether it's the Asian markets, whether it's the markets here in the United States. I mean, how do, how is anybody supposed to follow this with any sort of, uh, of expertise uh, to, to handle their portfolios um, themselves? I don't understand how that's even possible at this point in time. Uh, no matter how much reading or studying you do, um, to follow everything that's going on and, and not mess it up somehow. I think the best thing you do is listen to Making Financial <laughs> Sense. That was, a, that was a fastball and, right down the middle for you, yeah. I, uh, that was, in, uh, <laughs> and it's pretty good. And so we, we need to, you know, Tom, we need to syndicate this show. Uh-huh, Let's yeah. get this going. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that'll give us a wealth beyond our retirement years if we do that now, Tom. I'm just saying. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm too close to retirement to have wealth beyond my retirement years at this point, I think. Right? Well, you know, I'm just, you're, you're probably going to have a good two or three years in, years in you, and Sandy will be fine. Yeah, so. We, but, can, o- know, we can only hope. For, for, you know, from, your, from your voice to God's ear, yes, indeed. <laughs> you know, the, the, the oil and gas industry is, you know, like or hate Trump, um, we were self-sufficient. We didn't have to do it. We were exporting gasoline. Um, we were exporting uh, um, natural gas, liquefied natural gas, and a lot of that seems to come down to uh, a grinding halt, and a lot of it has to do with permitting. Um, and, and so how do we then do that? Because the administration is going to have to change everything they believe in to be able to get back to that point. Well, how do you, how do, you I, do it? I mean, I, even you would argue that it has to be done in a way that doesn't uh, destroy the environment. I mean, that and that's the whole idea with this not administration. Not disagreeing with it. Not disagreeing with it. Um, but from my from people that I know that are in that industry, they said that it doesn't matter what you apply for; it's the answer is essentially no. And the belief that generally goes to the investment world is that the current administration is just simply not having, or letting, or directing the EPA, if you will, uh, to not let permits go out for drilling in that whole bit because they want to force the prices. They want us to keep buying electric cars. Whether that's right or wrong, I've never read a memo. I've never heard it coming out of the Biden administration. But that's the theme that keeps going through my buddies and friends inside of the investment world that keeps getting heard throughout all, all over the place. And if that's the case, it's wrong, because especially at times right now when they're so uncertain, we need to make sure that we're good and we're not depending upon buying, you know, how many hundreds of thousands of barrels of oil a day from Russia. It doesn't make any sense to me. All right, 715-845-2155. We need to take one more break. We'll come back with more. If you have a question from Earl, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small, your digging project prepares you for this moment. From WSAU and WSAU.com. And we're back here. I'm Tom King in the studio, Merle Kelch on location today. All right, Monday morning when you report to the office, what's the first thing you're going to look for when you turn on your computer and go to read the financial news? What are you looking for in the next week? Well, here's what's really interesting. I won't be in the office on Monday. (laughs) Okay, Um, all right. The next time you go into the office. (laughs) 
trust, you know, I'm, I'm heading on a vacation. Me and my buddies, we're going to do some fishing, some hunting, and that kind of stuff we like. And so we're heading out of the country. So we've been watching everything that's been going on, obviously. So we want to make sure that uh, we're not flying over any Russia, air, Russian airspace, and that kind of stuff on our trip. But, uh, you know, the, the things I'm going to be watching is what's going to happen with the, the interest rates. I want to see which direction that goes, whether it's going to be a quarter or a half percent. I expect us to have volatility uh, throughout the week. In fact, uh, the futures show uh, about an even little bit down for Monday morning at this point in time, but it's still really early in the weekend to have an issue um, or to, to take an issue with that. Um, but I'm just going to continue to keep watching what happens to Ukraine and interest rates. So the biggest things. And There's an article. Go ahead. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. We have a phone call here. Save that article for a second. Let's go to the phone here this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Hey, good morning. This is Jim. Hey, Jim. You're on with Merle. Go Jim. ahead. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, listen, I got um, listening to the show this morning. Great show. Um, you're kind of painting uh, um, maybe a buying scenario. And I just want to throw a couple of situations in here that might throw a wrench on that. Uh, the first one being that Taiwan may be getting invaded by the CCP. As you know, they've been doing flyovers of the place and threatening. And I think they're kind of waiting to see what goes on with this Ukraine thing. But that could be in the works. And also, our useless government in D.C. is talking about another stimulus package. I think it's a trillion and a half that they're working on. So I'll listen off here to your answer. And thanks a lot, fellas. All right. Thanks a lot for the call. Appreciate it. I yeah. I, I, didn't, I haven't heard about another stimulus package, but certainly the, so, ti- the Taiwan situation is a flashpoint at this point in time. Yeah, I think the stimulus package you're talking about, the trillion and a half, is build back better. The one that the one that already passed, the, the one that uh, the, the, the law passed, and the president was in Superior talking about replacing that big bridge between Superior and Duluth uh, earlier this week. Yeah, I, you know, so I think the, the bulk of these, the the um, oh geez, the whole Build Back Better did, but it was the infrastructure plan that passed. Yeah, but the the additional Build Back Better, I don't think it's going to end up happening because of what we talked about before the war happening is going to slow down government regulation and voting, and I don't think it, I think the percentage of it passing our probability drops even more. So interesting, though, I did read an article this morning that said, you know, what's China's take on what's going inside of Ukraine? And inside of the article, and I don't have it in front of me, this is going from memory, folks, but um, they were saying inside of this article, which has, it makes some sense to me, which is say that China's watching to see what's happening with the Russia-Ukraine thing, but more importantly, what's happening with them fiscally from a sanction standpoint, how strong it is. The problem, though, you know, with, that, with that, though, is, uh, you know, the Russian economy is really not that big in the grand scheme of things china a different animal so sanctions against china are going to be much more difficult to put in place than they were against russia aren't they you know the article was saying is that uh, or alluding to i should say that the chinese economy is more built around the world of, of buying selling all over the place yeah so if that doesn't function they've got a bigger problem um they need to buy a lot of grain and buy a lot of stuff from the rest of the world because there's so many people there and if all this sort of stuff starts shutting off, they could be in really of a worse position than what Russia is going to be with all these sanctions coming in. So, so are they, could they go after Taiwan? I, I think the answer is yes. I think they want to. I think they want to take it over uh, for the same reason that Russia is going into Ukraine. It's got a lot of economic viability to it. And, but if the sanctions prove to be so damaging to Russia, China might say, we don't want to go with that. So only time is going to tell. It's fascinating. Uh, but we be- don't know. It's fascinating because um, you've got Republicans who uh, are suggesting that the United States should uh, should recognize Taiwan as a uh, as a country at this point? Mike Huckabee, who is apparently running for president, 
No, Mike Pompeo, excuse me, not Mike Huckabee. Mike Pompeo was apparently running for president, was in Taiwan this weekend, said that out loud. And, of course, the Chinese immediately dismissed that. But I find it fascinating that um, they're talking about recognizing Taiwan, officially recognizing Taiwan uh, and getting away from this mutual ignoring of the situation over the years between the United States and China, which has kept things from hitting a flashpoint. Because uh, I, I, would we go in and defend Taiwan if China invaded? I'm going to guess where we are. Yeah. Are we, are we not? Ally, are they not allies? I think we have already. I think we have said in the past uh, under okay. various administrations that we, in fact, would do that. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't. I, I don't know the ramifications if we're actually bona fide allies or not. I'm not really sure, but um, I, I think we would. You know, Ukraine's not an ally. They're not a member of NATO, so I think it's right for us not be there, but to offer support. But if they're an ally, I think we have to go in. So what does that mean for all of the com- companies in this country that rely on Chinese goods? Um, obviously, the market would not react well if we got into a sanctions w- war. I mean, it didn't react well when we got into a, t- a tariff war with China a few years ago. I mean, a sanctions war would really mess things up, wouldn't it? Yeah. And those tariffs are still in place, actually. Um, and notice that we, we swallowed it. We made it through. Um, so did China, by the way. So, so I think uh, it, it just continues to keep boating well to try to get your stuff made here um, or at least have the ability to have it made here if you're not going to have it made anymore inside of China. We can look at our whole chip industry for this at this particular point in time. You know, these uh, companies decided to build their chips in China because they're so much cheaper. I get it. Cheaper makes a better bottom line. But if you don't have the facility to have it made in America, you can leave yourself short, and that's exactly what's happening. Well, we're building across the across the manufacturing goal, building that huge new chip plant in Columbus, Ohio. So that that'll help that situation when they get up and running. No, there's several going. I think Intel's got uh, two or three plants going up right now, as well as buying a couple smaller ones. But um, I don't know if it's still going to alleviate the the demand that we have coming up in the future. We need a lot more of these plants. Tom, there you go. You could be a chip maker. <laughs> yeah. As much as I know about that, uh, could fill a thimble. Does anybody know do what a thimble chips, is? Uh, yeah. Potato right. chips. Yeah. I can do those. Yeah. All right. Hey, we're out of time for today. <laughs> if folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that? Folks, you can call our office locally. Um, stop at a visit at 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street and give us a call locally at 715-849-3600. Toll free outside of the Wasp area at 866-355-5100. Or find us online at Kelch and Associates. For the next couple of weeks, folks, uh, my staff will be taking care of stuff. They will be able to get a hold of me. Forces, of course, phone call and email and that kind of stuff. Um, I'm going to be out. So our good friend Alan for the next two weeks is going to be taking care of the show and uh, take care of things. So write down your complicated questions. Get them solved. <laughs> yeah, complicated uh, questions involving nursing home care, nursing home insurance, all that good stuff. All right. The state's trust. You got it. We'll talk to you again in a few weeks then. All right, my friend. Talk to you soon. Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates here in Wausau. We've got the news on the way. The Polka Show's coming up. Badger hockey once again tonight. The Badgers got a nice win over Notre Dame last night in the Big Ten tournament, and they'll play the Irish again tonight. And you can hear that game here, pregame show at 4.30. Badger basketball tomorrow. Wisconsin finishing up the regular season with Nebraska, and that starts at noon tomorrow here on WSAU.